Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, September 15th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. This past week, I was on the road at a few client events providing economic updates, and in particular, was in New York for two of them. It was great to be with clients, and at the same time, I am vividly reminded of the tragic events that took place 22 years ago this week. So I'd like to pause for a moment to remember all of those that died, as well as those that continue to be affected, and certainly all of the first responders that did everything they could to help. So I invite you to join me in a moment of reflection and to never forget. Well, thank you. And with me today, I would like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager, and Connor Cloting, Senior Lead Equity Analyst. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, we've got four items to share with you this week. We'll start with the inflation read as measured by the Consumer Price Index, which came out on Wednesday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So CPI, as it's known, actually increased on a year-over-year basis in August at 3.7% up from 3.2% in July. However, in contrast to that, the core CPI, which excludes the volatile food and energy subcomponents, actually went down year-over-year in August at 4.3% from 4.7% in July. So what's the difference? The difference is the significant rise in overall energy prices recently that drove up the overall CPI but did not drive up the core CPI, and that's why we look at both indicators. In addition, the cost for shelter, otherwise known as the pseudonym for housing, we saw a little bit of a decline year over year down to 7.3% in August from 7.7% in July, which means that those elevated prices are still high, but are beginning to come down at a reasonable pace. And second, overall retail sales for the United States economy came out yesterday as a report from the Census Bureau and showed that there was a 0.6% increase in August for overall retail sales, which was a little bit above expectations, showing the consumer resiliency in the overall economy. However, some of that had to do with the increase in overall gasoline prices and energy prices, which drove some of the increase overall. And third, also yesterday, the weekly initial unemployment claims data came out for the week ending September 9th, and it was at 220,000, which reflects a consistent number for the past few weeks where we're not seeing an increase, which again shows the resiliency in the overall labor market as we continue to look at that going forward in the future. And finally, just this morning, our fourth data point, which is somewhat lesser known, which is the industrial production figure that is produced by the Federal Reserve. Uh, We continue to look at it because we think it's important. And it was good news for the month of August in that industrial production continued to show an increase of 0.4% for the month, which again is important when we look at the overall manufacturing industry. 
So taking all of those into consideration, in addition to other thoughts that we might have, starting with George, uh, around what's going on in the economy and what it might mean for the remainder of the year. So, George? Well, I, th I think, Brian, you could kind of say that this week uh, we, we saw further evidence that the economy is actually doing quite well. You know, we, uh, we've seen evidence that inflation has picked up a little bit, but the markets kind of shrugged that off. Um, you know, we've actually kind of had this rolling narrative right now where the market's been trying to figure out if we'd see a hard landing or maybe a soft landing, meaning you either see a, a pretty big recession or maybe the Fed can land a plane softly uh, and take the economy down, take inflation down without taking the economy down, I should say. And now it seems like the market's almost kind of anticipating a perfect landing, right? Where we've kind of, kind of got this, uh, this narrative right now where, where stocks are really doing uh, quite well year to date anyway. Uh, I think they're a little weak this morning, but stocks so far this year up about 15, 16% versus bonds. Um, the VIX, the volatility curve that we look at, is actually quite low inside the market. You know, you've seen actually some cyclical performance um, uh, relative to defensive performance, meaning some of the more uh, economically sensitive companies have actually done better. And in the credit markets, high yields are high yield spreads are quite tight. So this narrative right now has kind of been shifting all the way around from hard landing to soft landing to no landing to now a perfect landing. And I think that's um, that's kind of notable in the sense that that might be the case. We might actually see a perfect landing, but at the same time, there's still some things that uh, that probably have to kind of be better understood before we can really declare victory. You know, I think we're seeing this, this kind of pronounced uh, and kind of lagging impact with spending. That's certainly kind of the hangover from, from COVID-related um, times where things were really um, kind of pulled forward in terms of overall demand for things. There was, of course, supply shortages, and that really kind of compounded this, this catch-up period of, of excess spending that we've seen for quite some time. And I still suggest that I think that we're going to see some slowdown. Um, we've seen numbers now that suggest that people are having to kind of uh, rebalance their budgets a little bit, do loan repayments are sitting up again. So I think we're going to start to see some slowdown in spending, perhaps in the back half of this year. And then kind of related to that, it's also been fiscal spending. You know, fiscal spending is something we don't talk a whole lot about. But the government's been spending a, a pretty at a pretty aggressive clip as well, and I would suggest that maybe at some point um, that might actually have to come down a little bit too. So when these spending impulses start to moderate, I would think that the economy would also start to uh, to kind of fade off a little bit uh, and maybe trail back a little bit. We'd see some of this momentum that we've seen so far this year um, fade at the margin. So against this backdrop, I think it's kind of notable that the Federal Reserve has been talking about. Uh, uh, you know, unemployment kind of coming up a little bit, perhaps. Uh, they've talked about wanting to get inflation down. I got, I guess my, my first question for you, Cindy, is whether or not you think this, that the Fed can actually come out next week and declare victory and say that we're done raising interest rates. The ECB, oddly enough, actually did that very thing this week where they kind of surprised the market and suggested, despite the fact that inflation is so high, uh, they're likely to kind of go on pause and maybe even kind of, uh, kind of declare victory. Do you think, Cindy, the Fed here in the United States can declare victory when they get together next week? I don't think they will, George. Uh, if you recall at Jackson Hole, Fed Chair Powell made it clear about the 2% inflation target, that that's not up for debate, and that the central bank will keep it, keep keep at it until the job's done. I, I think that pledge will follow through until inflation is back to their target. And, and I think that was a nod toward Paul Volcker, perhaps. And I, I think there's going to be some uh, reluctance next week from Powell and the Fed officials to start doing a victory lap. Uh, I think they'll have a hawkish hold next week. I think they will keep rates unchanged, but there's going to be a bias toward possibly further tightening, and we may see that in the dot plot. Uh, it's probably going to show 
uh, 25 basis point hike, one more, at least for 2023. And I know that's what the market's expecting, but I mean, if you look at historical interest rate projections, the market really hasn't gotten it right. Uh, I think they'll continue to imply that there's 100 basis points of cuts in 2024. I think that's a little uh, uh, out of the out of the realm. Let's just say I think I'm expecting that we're going to continue to see a slowdown in the economy. And that's going to filter through and that may put their cuts on hold till 2025. Uh, but we will see. I think he will guide the committee uh, to wait a little bit longer uh, and that they're going to assess the incoming data uh, through the remainder of the year. I think he's going to also remind everybody that there's possible there's policy lags and those are still operative and the effects of the past tightening are still in the pipeline so we haven't really experienced those yet and those effects will become more apparent i think as we start to see excess savings run down uh even uh, some of the policy hawks i think will appear more comfortable uh on taking a, a careful approach uh lori logan on september 7th uh was in Dallas and she said the traditional way to make sure a fire is out cold is to pour water on it. Lots of water until you've eliminated every last bit of heat. Uh, that's a good way to put out campfires, but I will ignore to argue today that it's not a good way to put out inflation. Uh, so she said the, the FOMC will need to keep the water bucket close at hand and we must not hesitate to use it as necessary. I thought that was an interesting comment. As far as the statement, I think they're going to uh, maybe alter the phrasing. The economic activity has been expanding at a moderate pace to language acknowledging a bit more of a pickup, as you mentioned, and that the committee will uh, continue monitoring. Uh, I think they'll describe job gains as being robust and unemployment as having remained low. I uh, expect them to continue assessing inflation as remaining elevated. Uh, despite the core CPI inflation averaging 0.2% uh, month over month over the last three months, I think the statement will hold short of formally acknowledging progress, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning. Uh, the September pause, I think, will be more described as a risk management strategy rather than a significant progress toward returning inflation to its 2% target. We are going to see some new faces next week um, from what we saw <clears throat> Excuse me, at the June meeting. Uh, Philip Jefferson and Adriana Kugler, they've been sworn in. Uh, we also have Jeffrey Schmid, who replaced Esther George, uh, and President Kathy O'Neill Payese. I think I pronounced her name correctly. She will be submitting forecasts uh, in because James Bullard's seat uh, still remains vacant, and that is protocol until uh, that president seat is filled. Uh, so the bottom line here is the Fed appears to be intent to share on not being surprised to the upside on inflation, and that seemed to be their theme in 2022 as well. Uh, as a result, I think that they will uh, maintain 2023 core inflation forecast that has been significantly uh, likely to overshoot the, uh, the realized data, which they've been doing up to this point. Uh, they did revise the PCE inflation uh, 
to 3.9% from 3.6% in March. Uh, so while the headline inflation has been con coming consistently down, core inflation has been a little stickier uh, with the one percentage point improvement in core PCE year over year since February, 2022. Uh, still the, the decelerated to 4.2% year over year from 4.6 in April. It looks like we could see that closer to 3.3% by year end. So since the Fed is closer, I would say to the end of the end of the tightening cycle versus the beginning, uh, if the Fed does in fact pause and the data comes out weaker than expected, and that's enough to stop a, a fourth quarter Fed rate hike. I think that the U.S. front-end rates will decline and the U.S. Treasury curve will steepen, and that'll be led by the lower, lower front-end rates. And those could back up five to 10 basis points, but getting the timing right is going to be really difficult. So I think favoring three-year and in maturities rather than extending and going longer in duration, uh, the, the principal and interest payments are actually going to be everyone's superpower at that point, and you'll be able to build uh, duration and and your ladder uh, based on those P&I payments coming in if you strategically put those to work. So speaking of superpowers, Cindy, I think that's an, an <laughs> issue metaphor. You know, Connor, if I turn to you on, on the equity market, you know, the, the equity market, the stock market seems to have superpowers too, in the sense that we've had a lot of news to confront this past week, you know, news out of China continues to be a, a topic of concern to some, uh, higher inflation potentially, interest rates moving up a little bit, and as Cindy mentioned, maybe the Federal Reserve is likely to kind of keep active in terms of maybe taking inflation down. What's your take on the, the stock market these days? And it seems very resilient of late. Uh, would you characterize it the same way or, or something different perhaps? No, I, I would agree with you there, George. I mean, I think basically the market you know, had a little bit of a sell-off here recently, but you know, as as the ec economic data that we've been speaking about and uh, has has come out, it seems like the the idea that the soft landing can be stuck is 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 coming more true by by the weeks and the months. Um, so, I think while while it's not going to be perfect perfectly soft landing, and there may be some bumps along the road, but it it feels like the economy is still in a pretty good place and. And that's being reflected by the equity markets. I, you know, I think the broad broad indices are up about a, a percent this week. So a little bit of a rally here. So what else are you watching these days, Connor? I mean, there's a lot of other things kind of that are kind of around the equity market that are probably a topic of concern. Uh, what are you paying attention to mostly? Yeah, so actually being uh, based out of Michigan, I think maybe I hear about this a little bit more than most, but with uh, the the strike uh, against the big three automakers uh, by the UAW, um, them walking off the job at midnight last night, um, could have some implications for the economy overall, uh, near term and longer term. Uh, but uh, initial thoughts with that are, uh, you know, maybe not quite as big of an impact to the automakers as investors were expecting, given that it's only one plant each uh, for the the big three automakers in the U.S. So one one thing near term, I think the knock on effect of that could be you know a reduction in auto um, production, which could you know continue to help 
see elevated inflation in new and used car pricing, uh, which would make the Fed's job a little bit harder. Uh, but then I think uh, the longer term is where we're maybe a little more focused and that just the resurgence we've seen in organized labor this year has you know, maybe a cause for concern on, on the, the labor costs uh, having to get pushed along and further price increases over you know, the out years of these, these new contracts that we're seeing you know, in not only, well, the contracts aren't there yet for autos, but what we've seen in some logistics companies and what, what they're trying to, you know, still negotiate in Hollywood could, could cause, you know, companies to have reduced margin outlooks in, in future years because, because of this um, increase in labor costs, or on the other hand, it could cause them to push prices even further, you know, further, causing inflation. So, um, you know, it could go one of two ways there, uh, but overall, you know, that's that's kind of where you know, we're, we're focusing our attention these days. Hey, Connor, what's, uh, what's the main issue for our listeners? What's the main issue at debate here and what's the possibility for resolution? Yeah, so, so the main issue um, with the automakers specifically is that, you know, the UAW is is trying to go down to a four day work week. Is trying to have like roughly it would double the costs uh, for the hourly workers for for the big three automakers. And so, you know, while while there's been um, you know some good faith uh, offers placed by the by the automakers, uh, it's it's only halfway to what the UAW demands are. So while the strikes are uh, it limited to three plants, as I mentioned today, you know, they could expand and then um, that could be a larger hit to U.S. GDP in the back you know, quarter of the year. So uh, still, still uh, <laughs> remains to be seen. Well, thanks for the explanation, Connor. And George, any final thoughts for today? Yeah, I, I think given all these cross currents, Brian, I think we just want to remind our listeners to really stay fully diversified, right? And there's a lot of a lot of noise, and uh, we're probably going to have to kind of, kind of, kind of I guess, confront the fact that things will slow down at some point. We've had a good, uh, a good burst of activity throughout the summer into the early fall, and uh, and the market, you know, is done quite well. So I think we need to recognize the fact that maybe as things start to kind of play out from here, uh, when some of these higher interest rates start to take hold, when some of these wage pressures that Connor kind of referenced inside the conversations uh, in the auto sector, you know, I think these things will kind of take the economy down the gear. I don't think a recession, we're definitely not a recession right now, that's for sure. Uh, but we've seen a big spending impulse, both from the consumer and also from, frankly, the fiscal government that uh, that I think at some point will fade. So for that reason, I think this, that the stance we want to continue to take is really being balanced towards risk, uh, being fully diversified, and we also want to emphasize quality throughout our portfolios. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Cindy, and Connor. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. 
Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and Trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decision. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.